That's a good question. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 649, Balancing Twelfth Night. Last week, we heard the conversation I had with Professor Katie Reedy in her class at Lake Forest College talking about my approach in directing Twelfth Night for the Cincinnati Shakespeare Company in the fall of 2018. This week, I'll share with you the questions uh, I had from her students. And the first question was about how one balances the comedic and dramatic elements in a production. It, um, it's, it's like cooking. It, you know, you do it to taste, right? Sometimes it'll feel right and sometimes it'll feel wrong. Um, um, for my, again, going back to this point, to the, my original point is that it's a, it's a comedy driven by desperation and pain and loss. And so the, the greater and more real that pain and loss, I think the most you can, the more you can get away with. Um, I think it's a world in which you create a world, the director creates a world in which all these things can happen. Um, so, so this was a saloon, basically. It was a saloon with a bar, but then there was a front door with a balcony. And, so, and then the, the, the front of the stage, the thrust of the stage was kind of looked like a wharf. I mean, down to <laughs> really realistic looking uh, seagull poop. Um, um, uh, but we started with this band. Curio and Valentine were the main members of this band, and then other people, and Fabian jumped in, and Festi jumped in. My Festi didn't play an instrument. He only play, played the harmonica. So, so then the theater decided in previews, what if we opened up the bar, opened it up on stage to um, the audience members who could come up on stage and buy shots? Being served by Fabian and Mabel, our saloon wench, um, and Antonia. Uh, 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 so already this was creating a world in which this stuff can happen. I also started, I also started with, because the play ends with, I mean, the first line is music be the food of the play on. The last line is, um, we strive to please you every day. And, uh, so it, it acknowledges that we are players here performing for you. Uh, so I started the thing with, because uh, I knew the band would be playing in the lobby or on stage or something beforehand. So I had Viola come out in her dress and long uh, woman's wig, um, and she sang the first four lines, When That I Was and a Little Tiny Boy. Boy, with a hey ho, the wind and the rain. The rain, the rain it raineth every day, and the rain it raineth every thunder crash, wave, sounds of waves, sounds of storm. So then the sail started flowing. There was a captain's ship's wheel and, and barrels and flotsam and jetsam came running on and, and then they, they were in the storm and that pulled them apart and then they ended up in the bar. Um, so it was a world in which that kind of reality um, um, can happen, that kind of storytelling. Um, the first anachronistic joke was... Um, uh, when Andrew is doing all of his dance steps, the galliard and the coranto and the blah, 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 blah. No, none of us know what a galliard and a coranto is anymore. Um, so he just did a bunch of random steps, but he said the one step he did was the back trick. 
I could do the back trick as better, strong as any man in, in Illyria. Mm-hmm. So I just said, can you do a moonwalk? <laughs> so he moonwalked. And he was, not only could he do it, he could do it really well. And then he finished by kicking his leg forward and going, <laughs> you know, in a real Michael Jackson thing. And, um, and so I went, go ahead, Toby, go ahead. Would you say, tis a walk of the moon? <laughs> and it gets a big laugh and it's absolutely cheap. But, um, and it was just hysterical. And very true in keeping to the moment. Yeah. Wildly anachronistic. And I think Shakespeare used anachronisms yeah. all the time. That's, Shakespeare was cheap. Yeah, that's why, that's, that's something that I'm listening to talk about the anachronism. It's like, well, Shakespeare's anachronism is something constantly referenced. You know, right. he's like, it's plays set in Rome, and it's like, then they just come out with Elizabethan jokes, right? Like, right, and they the actually time. talk like, about their the, doublets. Yes. Yeah. And so the topicality of their humor is important to be translated, and that's a, the challenging um, question of, like, this idea of Shakespeare as preservation, as you said, sort of polished. Yeah. Like, we don't want to mess with this. We need to preserve this. And there's, there is some kind of pure text yeah. or like yeah. experience versus um the adapting process right yeah. and like how to make it speak not just as a you know some sort of vestige of the past but like yeah. speak to this own our own cultural moment so you've talked some about the underlying tension of the grief and the loss in this play and that's something that I, i'm really curious about is to me there's this very interesting dynamic of these two women that are falling in love after having lost family members mm. and it adds this tone of almost replacement like they're searching mm. for something they've lost and I don't personally think that Shakespeare's dialogue gets that in there at all but mm. I'm curious how you addressed mm. it in your performance well it was, it, it was you're right it's unspoken it's subtextual at best um, 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 but we talked about we talked about how they are both sisters in loss. Um, they have mm. both lost great things, and, uh, uh, and in fact, the moment where the moment where Feste says to uh, Olivia, um, "Well, the more fool thou for mourn, mourning somebody who's in heaven." Mm-hmm. That moment, I told Feste to underline, "Look." You went on your own bender. They talk about how mm-hmm. Festy's been gone. Yeah. You loved his brother, her brother too. You know, maybe you had, mm. maybe you had some romantic feelings for her brother. Anyway, you've gone on your own bender. You disappeared, and this is how you came to terms with the loss. He's in heaven. Why should mm. we mourn? He's in a better place. So when you say that to her, you tell her the truth, and you get to zing her and say, "You're, you've been a fool." As was I. I was a fool before I figured this out. So, mm. and we took, we took that moment of Olivia hearing that, mm-hmm. to, she, kind of, she kind of gasped in with, a, with the emotional truth of it. Um, mm. And you understood, the audience understood how deeply in pain she was. And that how, and it was very similar to the moment where Viola sees her own, the reflection of her brother in the mirror. It, 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 it was a way of twinning, again, that's why I brought the mirror on, a way of driving, making literal the twinned aspect of it. Not just that Viola has a twin, Sebastian, but that, that they are twins, you know, in loss a little bit. Um, it's, 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 so much of it is in the playing. You know, some, some Shakespeare professors or, yeah, well, teachers, acting teachers will tell you it's all in the text. It's not all in the text. It's not. It's not. There are glimpses of it. There's a lot of it in the text. There are clues in the text. 
but they still have to be people behaving on stage. Carrot like people. I'm Andy Zaltzman, co-host of the Bugle Podcast, and you are listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company Podcast. Well done. Where can you RSC the RSC? You can see Reduced Shakespeare in your own home by owning your very own copy of Pop-Up Shakespeare, written by me and Reed Martin and illustrated by the marvelous Jenny Mazels. It's on sale worldwide, and you can find links to both Amazon and independent bookstores in the U.S. and the U.K. on our website. We have three performances left of our 2019 tour of the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged revised this spring and summer of 2019 in Meridian, Mississippi on May 30th, in Lakeside, Ohio on July 18th, and in Lake Placid, New York on August 10th. And we'll have more performance dates this fall of 2019, both in the U.S. and in a place I will tell you about just as soon as I can. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office, venue, and ticket information. Now back to my conversation with Professor Katie Reedy and her class at Lake Forest College about my production of Twelfth Night at Cincinnati Shakespeare Company. The next question I was asked was from a student who didn't know I'm a writer. And she asked whether my perspective changed when I've written the lines that the actors are saying. Um, yeah, you've got it. I mean, theater is incredibly collaborative, and if you want it done only your way, you should write a novel. Um, um, this what, what was fun about since directing Twelfth Night of Cincy Shakes was was it was my first time working with uh, professionals in a very long time on a text that I didn't write. So with the Reduce Shakespeare Company, I work with professionals, but they're doing my play in the way that we have said mm-hmm. my play is going to go. So they're kind of they're they're doing they're doing a copy. That said, we go we every now and then we'll say, boy, that doesn't that joke doesn't work coming out of your face like that. <laughs> do you have a do you have a way you can say that that makes it more personal to you? For instance, we don't change. Sometimes we'll change the lines if a joke gets old or whatever. For really doesn't make any sense coming out of their mouths. Um, but working with these guys down there, you know, I would suggest what was great is I I typed out the script of Twelfth Night and I put in a bunch of jokes. Like I put in about the I put in the bit about the socks and I put in and I put in a moment where uh, there's a specific moment in the text right near the end, right before Sebastian arrives, where Violet, where Olivia grabs Violet and says, "No, you've got to stay." And he, she grabs her from behind, you know, on her chest, and then Violet goes, "Oh," and Olivia goes. Wait, what? You know, so there's this moment of, and, and in many productions, that would have been one of the funnier bits. It wasn't in this production because they were so funny. They were so, you know, and mostly it's just listening to your actors and trusting your actors. Grace. I was curious as to how you did like the reunion scene between Sebastian and Bella mm. because for me, um, when I read it, it seemed really anticlimactic because you've been mm. waiting for it yeah. for the mm-hmm. entire play. Yeah. And then they just like see each other and hug and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, um, uh, I, 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 one thing that helped is that I pared away a lot of the extraneous lines that you don't need in there. I think I even shortened their, their lines together because talking, yes, I did. I know because they kept them in, in the writer's theater. I loved the bit that they did when Sebastian first came in and everybody in the room went, oh, you know, <laughs> yes. that was very funny. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that. I wish I had, but, um, uh, always steal from the best. Uh, uh, um, but I just took this moment of, it was again one of the reasons I wanted to use the mirror in the first scene, 
or the mm-hmm. third scene, was because mm-hmm. I wanted them to see each other in the same... So Viola would be standing in the same position she was standing when she saw her brother in the mirror, when uh, she saw her brother at the end. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit of a re- repeated business. And mm-hmm. the other thing was that I had two really great actors who just mm-hmm. took their time. And also, this is a thing I firmly believe in. You earn your pauses. You, mm. you, you take the pauses you want. You don't take pauses to act. You don't take pauses because you can't pick up your friggin' cues. You mm-hmm. earn your pauses, and that's a really important time for the play to stop and for these two to see each other. And, um, and so, I don't know, that's how, that's how we did it. They also, there was a certain moment, too, where they each... I had my viola, because they were both lost at sea, both in storms. Mm. Uh, uh, um, they were both wearing sailor outfits that... But that that they had been given by the crew of the ships that saved them. Mm. So anyway, they both they were both dressed in the same sailor outfit. So at a certain point, they're looking at each other, and they both took their hats off at the exact same time. And it was just this mm. wonderful mirror thing, just mm. again illustrating their connection. Oh, this was another. This was a great thing that they did between them, mm. and this was totally actor driven. The actors came up with this. So when, when Olivia said, uh, I mean, when Viola told Orsino, yes, I will go woo your lady at the end of scene three, um, they did this handshake. They did this bump, 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 fist bump. And that's, I, forget what, I forget what all the moves were. But, but the idea was Viola taught that handshake to Orsino. And then mm. when Sebastian and Antonia came in, Sebastian and Antonia did the exact same handshake. And then at the very end, and, to, and, 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 and we did it where, where Orsino and, Seba- and Antonia were kind of going, they didn't have, hadn't quite learned it, but then um, Viola and Sebastian did it cold perfectly at the end. And you went, oh my God, they've got this connection. And that was totally an actor idea. Mm. You know, that, mm. that's another good thing. Another tip, work only with really great people. <laughs> that certainly helps. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting just hearing, too, about how much, how much of this, like, the stuff, you know, I'm constantly getting this to be like, look at what happens to this, the language, right? And let's, like, track the words and the way the images are changing and the, like, and we can close read. And that's, yeah. and yes, that's all very important. But in the staging element, there's so as you said, the pauses, yeah. um, and this, you know, the pauses between lines can yeah. carry a lot <laughs> in addition to, well, and in that moment, that, 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 that moment is, where, yeah. where, where Olivia says at the end, most wonderful, you know, mm-hmm. when she sees, when she realizes, mm. oh, yeah. I got the best of Two. both worlds. Here. <laughs> yeah. It's a, that's another moment where you yeah. want to take the time yes. for that to land and you mm-hmm. get to see, Oh, it's all mm-hmm. going to pay off for Olivia. The next line is Orsino saying something about, it's okay, mm-hmm. Madam, right noble is his blood, meaning Sebastian. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were having trouble getting that out. And finally, my Orsino went, wait, do I even need to say that? I went, no, you're right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You don't need to say that. Who cares about his nobility? Nobody gives mm-hmm. a shit. Mm-hmm. Just go right to, well, wait a second. So if I'm listening right, mm-hmm. I'm going to get a share of this happy wreck. Mm-hmm. And I had him, and mm-hmm. I and and it mm-hmm. played right off of her most wonderful, where he was able to let the pin drop. You, mm-hmm. you know, he was able to start laughing. <laughs> oh, wait, you know, he didn't say wait because that's not in the text. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. these moments of mm-hmm. watching characters 
figure it out mm. is interesting for the audience because you're on the journey mm. with them. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Send us your questions about balancing comedy and drama via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can find us and interact with other fans on our dedicated podcast page on Facebook at RSC Podcast, on Instagram at Reduced Shakespeare Company, or on my preferred platform on Twitter at Reduced. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener. Thanks, as always, to Moonwalker Matthew Croak, Web Services by Ginger Power Limited, Music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Quincy R. Tuggle. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Andy Zaltzman, who manages to balance perfectly the satire and the bullshit as co-host of The Bugle Podcast. Check out all his episodes at thebuglepodcast.com. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. I'm Austin Titchener, 649-1947ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. We are officially out of time oh, you're um, for class. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and any extra bagels? There are a lot. Uh, feel free to take them. I got a one-person standing ovation. Yes. <laughs> this podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.